بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله اما بعد فان احسن الكلام كلام الله وخير الهدى هدى محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وان شر الامور محدثاتها وكل محدثه بدعه وكل بدعه ضلاله وكل ضلاله في النار uh, so this is our second lesson on the story of Musa alayhi salam and Fir'aun as related in the Quran and as compiled and told by Ibn Kathir rahimahullah ta'ala in his book Qasas al-Anbiya in the first lesson we discussed the time period in which these pharaohs they ruled in the place called Misr uh, in the northeast of what is today known as uh, Egypt and we mentioned that these were from an arab tribe called the Amalika and they basically ruled between around 17 50-1720 to around 1570 BC, around two centuries. And this coincided with the same time, same time period that Ibrahim السلام, passed through that way in accordance with what is narrated in, in, in the Torah of the Jews, according to what they say. And uh, Ya'qub, السلام, he settled in that region and his son Yusuf السلام, was taken, as you know the story, Uh, to Misr and uh, eventually his family moved there and they were the Bani Israel his brothers and their offspring and so they remained there for three or four generations until the Fir'aun that took rule uh, which was the Fir'aun of Musa السلام, he became or he was a great tyrant a disbeliever and the Quran describes how he would uh, subjugate the people enslave the people separate them into different parties different sects and groups and in particular he would uh, punish the bani israel uh, because they were they were upon tawhid and also because he feared that from them would come a man who would be the end of his nation the end of his rule and this was something that was passed on from generations earlier from the time of ibrahim ali salam So uh, upon this, Fir'aun took to killing the Bani Israel, the children of the Bani Israel, and killing their men, leaving their women alive. And when this meant that there would be no more from these Bani Israel who would serve them, because the population is dwindling, dwindling rapidly, then he decided to kill the male-born for one year and leave the male-born for another year. So in the year that... he left the male born alive harun ali islam was born and in the year that he decided to kill then in that year musa ali islam was born so we mentioned the story about his mother being inspired to throw the the, the, the box the tabut and into the, the the river and how this was taken up by uh, the wife of fir'aun and we mentioned some of the wisdoms and some of the you know points that ibn kathir mentioned the fact that this great tyrant his destruction 
was decreed to be from someone who himself would be raised in his own household, who himself would be spending upon this, this child who would, you know, who would become Musa the Prophet later on. And this is from the, uh, you know, it's from the, from the, 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 the great, the greatness of Allah Azawajal in the sense that he can bring the destruction of a person which is right under his very nose, right? Which is right in his own household without him even knowing. And so Allah is the best of, of planners and so on. So we mentioned all of that up until Musa al-Islam, he reached uh, the age of 40 and the incident happened between uh, the dispute between two men. One was from Bani Israel and Musa al-Islam accidentally killed that man. Uh, as a result, he had to eventually flee from Misr and went to the land called Madian. And when he was in Madian, we mentioned the uh, story of the two women at the well and how he aided them. And uh, then they went back to the father and the father wanted to reward Musa Salam, and how those women described him as Al-Qawi Al-Ameen. Al-Qawi Al-Ameen. They described him with these two qualities. And that's because Musa Salam was a very strong man. Uh, he lifted a rock which was in front of the well, which 10 men, it would take 10 men to lift. And secondly, he was Ameen because when they took him back to the father, he told them, you walk behind me rather than you walk in front of me. And if I take the wrong turn, just throw a stone in the right direction. So they knew that he was an honorable, upright, trustworthy man. And so on these two bases, on, on, on these two grounds, they advised the father to hire him to you know, uh, take his service, that he should look after their flock and whatever else. So the agreement was made that he would marry one of his daughters to him, to Musa alayhi salam, and in turn he would spend eight years uh, 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 serving. And um, if he wanted to add another two years, he could do on his own behalf. So we took various benefits and, and lessons out of the whole of that uh, storyline from the, the beginning to this particular point. And so in today's lesson, we now will start to look at Musa salam. Uh, making his way, wanting to see his family in Misr. And on his journey, this is when he becomes a messenger of Allah Azza wa Jal. And he's ordered to go to Musa alayhi salam and to deliver the Bani Israel. So we're going to take this up today inshallah ta'ala and possibly uh, reach the stage where we come to the showdown with the magicians in the court of Fir'aun. So, recounting this story, Allah Azawajal, uh, he mentions, فَلَمَّا قَضَى مُوسَى الْأَجَلِ When Musa al-Islam, when he fulfilled that period, that period of eight years, and then two on top. وَسَارَ بِأَهْلِهِ And then he travelled with his family. So he took his wife, he had some children, and he was on his way as is mentioned, to go back to Misr because he felt that he wanted to see his family. He felt attached to the family that was in Misr. So on his way, he perceived from the direction of the Tur, the mountain, Naran, a fire. So he said, Wait 
and for I perceive a fire, perhaps I might bring some news therefrom, or take a portion of it through which you may warm yourselves. So when he came to it, he was called from the, in the valley, in the right hand side of the valley, in the area which was blessed and which contained the tree. And what was he called with? Ayya Musa, innani anallahu rabbul alameen. O Musa, indeed I am Allah, the Lord of the worlds. And then from this point onwards, Allah Azawajal, he, the story is told in different parts of the Qur'an with different details in different places. Uh, but at this point, what we see here, as, as Ibn Kathir explains upon these passages, that uh, he went, you know, he felt inclined to see his family, so he wanted to visit them in Misr. And as he was traveling with him with his wife and his uh, two children, also some uh, flock as well and the night as we can tell from what the ayat indicate was an extremely cold night and it was an extremely dark night as well and on his way he passed by this mountain and he perceived a light and in the in, in the tafsir the scholars mention that only he could see it and nobody else could see it from his family and so they say that the light that he saw it was a light that turned out to be a light of guidance it was nur so it was a fire but what he saw was nur so he perceived that which the other people didn't see and so he said Maybe I might come across someone there who will direct me in the path. Or perhaps a portion of some, of some fire by which you can warm yourselves. So this shows that they had actually lost the direction. They'd become lost in the journey. And it was an extremely, it was a cold night. And it was a very dark night as well. So he went to this fire he made his way to this fire and when he came to this fire he was called out from a certain direction in the valley in the valley where this mountain was and he was called out with the following ya musa inni anallahu rabbul alamin o musa indeed i am allah the lord of the worlds and one of the things that we should notice here is the difference between the story of Musa salam in the Quran and the story of Musa salam as it is told by the Jews in their Torah. And what you will see is that in the Quran you see that the focus is around Tawheed and the invalidation of Shirk and rational arguments for the invalidation of Shirk and uh, admonishing this Fir'aun against his oppression and his tyranny and you know inviting him to the truth and to accept the truth and you see that the lessons are, are connected to do with the issue of Tawheed and justice and so on and so forth and you find that this is lacking and absent 
in the story that is told you know, by the, uh, at the hands or by the pens of those who wrote the Torah you know, in the you know, 1,000, 1,200 years after Musa al-Islam himself because they were just recounting stories that had been written down and which were circulating, whether written or oral, and so they wrote down the Torah on that basis. They didn't have the actual Torah of Musa salam. And so you see that because that is not the speech of Allah Azawajal, it is the speech of men recounting a story. And so you see missing from it the, that which is the ilm of Allah and the wisdom of Allah and the admonition of Allah and the guidance of Allah. You do not see that reflected in the story which is told by men. But what you see in the Qur'an, and you know, as we shall see as we progress in the story, you see that this, this story and the way which it, which, is, which it is told by Allah Azawajal contains tremendous uh, guidance. So the first thing with which he is called by his Lord is that he is told that this is Allah, the Lord of the worlds. And so when he came and he saw he saw this scenario which he came to this mountain. Uh, in another passage, we see, فَلَمَّا آتَاهَا نُودِيَ يَا مُوسَىٰ إِنِّي أَنَا رَبُّكَ فَأَخْلَعْنَ عَلَيْكَ إِنَّكَ بِالْوَادِ الْمُقَدَّسِ طُوَىٰ When he came to it, he was called out, O Musa, indeed I am your Lord, so remove your shoes, for indeed you are in the sacred valley of Tuwa. And this valley of Tuwa, it is mentioned in some authentic narrations, authentic hadith. One of them, for example, that nations from the Bani Israel would come on, on the way to Hajj and they would pass by the sacred valley of Tuwa and they would remove their shoes out of respect. Right, this is a hadith that is authenticated by Shaykh al-Albani rahimahullah. Likewise, other hadith about 70 of the prophets, from them was Musa al-Islam, that they would come to perform hajj, they would come to perform pilgrimage. So the point being that Musa al-Islam, he came and he saw this strange and amazing sight, which is this type of tree or this type of shrub, which the Mufassirin, they say it is called al-Awsaj. Al-Awsaj, it is a type of shrub which grows on this, uh, this mountain. He saw it consumed by fire. It's consumed by fire, but it is not being destroyed by the fire. And the fire is taking place, you know, like it's, it's a very strange thing that he saw, which was not, which is... Uh, Extraordinary, it is out of the ordinary. And so when he saw this, um, when he saw this, he knew that this is something which is from Allah, meaning that the way in which he was notified and, the, and what he heard, he knew that this scene that he is witnessing is not something normal. And so this is from the wisdoms that if he just heard a voice, then perhaps maybe, you know, but when he sees this, this scene, which is just not, not, not fathomable, this is just not normal because the, the fire should be consuming everything. And, but it's, then he heard what he heard, then all of this indicates to him that this is something that, that, that is not usual. And so when he was, when he was told, إِنَّ نِي أَنَ اللَّهُ رَبُّ الْعَالَمِينَ 
So we see in Surah Al-Qasas, in, in we see the, the story is told in different ways in Surah Al-Qasas. Uh, so in another surah, we see a slightly different uh, version of the story told. In this ayah, Allah says that he said, Indeed, I am Allah. There is none which has the right to be worshipped except I. So in another ayah, he said, Indeed, I am Allah, Rabbul Alameen. Affirming his rububiyyah. Here we see the mention of the kalima. Uh, so worship me. This now is a command to Tawheed. And establish the prayer for my remembrance. So we see here that the first two pillars of Islam, the first two pillars of Islam, Musa Islam is commanded with them. And that's because the deen of Musa salam is Islam. There is only one Islam. The religion of all of the messengers is Islam. There is no other name for the deen of the messengers. No messenger called Isa al-Islam did not call to Christianity. This is a fabrication and an invention after him. He called to Islam. And Musa islam he never called to Judaism. He was not a Jew. Nor did he call to a religion called Judaism. Right? Rather he called to Islam. And this is a later invention. So every prophet, every messenger, he called the people to Islam. And we see here that Musa Islam was commanded with the kalima, the kalima of Tawheed. And likewise he was ordered to establish, to establish the prayer. And then we see in the passage that we... Uh, that we mentioned, that we started reading from, and what we see at the beginning of, uh, we also see the story told in different places, uh, but in the beginning of Surah Taha, we see that there's something else uh, mentioned. We see about the hour, the establishment of the hour. Indeed, the hour is coming. And I, Allah is saying that I'm hiding it, concealing it, so that every soul can be recompensed for its own striving, for the evil which it does, for the good which it does. And so this now is a third aspect on top of Tawheed and Salah. Now this is, this is now establishing belief in the hereafter and in the Yawmul Qiyamah. And in the, resur the resurrection and the jaza, the, the recompense for, for the deeds. And so this is from the pillars of Iman. From the pillars of Iman. So we see then that the first thing that Musa al-Islam is informed with, he's informed with the Tawheed of Allah and all that is entailed of the mention of Rububiyyah and the mention of Uluhiyyah and the binding link between the two. Because we see that clearly coming across in the ayat. And likewise, the first and greatest obligation after the kalima, which is establishment of the salah. And then, the reminder of the hereafter, for which a person, in, in which a person will be recompensed for all of his deeds. Now once that was informed, once Musa was informed of that, 
Then we see that Allah showed him a number of signs. And these signs were a preparation for him to be sent to Musa alayhi salam. And so at this stage, there were a number of signs. Uh, we take up the story again in Surah Taha. وَمَا تِلْكَ بِيَمِينِكَ يَا مُوسَى What is that in your right hand, O Musa? And Musa al-Islam says, قَالَ هِيَ عَسَايَ This is my staff. أَتَوَكَّأُ عَلِيهَا I lean upon it, I rest upon it. وَأَفْحُشُّ بِهَا عَلَى غَنَمِي And I direct my, my flock by way of it. وَلِيَ فِيهَا مَآرِبُ أُخْرَى And I have some other uses along with it as well. And uh, in fact, some of the scholars, they use this ayah as a proof for the permissibility of the use of the ways and means, of the worldly ways and means. Right? The fact that Musa al-Islam used a staff for certain purposes. Right? To look after his flock of sheep for personal benefits of resting and then other types of benefits as well. And so they use this as a basis to justify and recommend the use of the ways and means in, in, in the dunya. So anyhow, Allah Azawajal, He commanded him, uh, He said to him, قَالَ أَلْقِهَا يَا مُوسَى فَأَلْقَاهَا فَإِذَا هِيَ حَيَّةٌ تَسْعَى So He said, throw it, O Musa. So He threw it. And lo and behold, it became a snake, a living snake that is moving around. And so when he saw this, this now is a proof to him that it is Allah Azza wa Jal who is speaking to him. Because all of these things which he is seeing and witnessing and experiencing, which is out of the ordinary, perceiving the light, which is a fire over the bush, it's not being consumed. And now he sees something extraordinary, another thing extraordinary, which is this, his staff turns in, into, into a snake. So when he saw this, and we see this in another ayah, وَأَنْ أَلْقِ عَسَاكَ فَلَمَّا رَآهَا تَحْتَزُّكَ أَنَّهَا جَانٌ وَلَّا مُضْبِرًا وَلَمْ يُعَقِّبْ In another uh, surah, Al-Qasas, we see the story told, when he threw it, it turned into, as if it was like a huge snake. And he turned round and he fled without looking back. So in other words, what he saw was something that was a huge uh, snake. And it was very fast in its motion. And when he saw it, he became, became scared. And he feared and he fled. And this is because it is from the nature, from the tabi'ah of humans to fear from that which is harmful. And so here we come to the issue or the point about fear and the types of fear and how there is a fear that is worship, a fear that is natural, and a fear that is haram. Right? And the scholars explain this when they speak about the issue of Tawheed. So the fear which is natural, where you fear the harm of something in the worldly sense, which can harm you, uh, such as a snake or a poisonous sting or a bite or you know predatory animals or even a person uh, whose oppression and tyranny might bring you death or loss of you know limb or, or life all these things a person you know w when the danger is imminent then to fear is perfectly natural there's nothing haram there's nothing that contradicts shirk in this type of fear 
rather it is an instinct of survival you know which aids a person to 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 protect himself by by you know by taking a precaution so this is the fear which is tabi'i uh, it is natural then you have the fear which is shirk this is the fear when you fear a thing or a person in an affair in which no one has control except Allah Azza wa Jal. Right? So you have some of these people who are grave worshippers and they fear that if they do not serve or they do not treat with respect or they, you know, they do not do certain things, they fear that some harm is going to come to them. Right? How much only Allah can bring. So that fear in their hearts is fear of this individual. And fear that there might be some harm coming to him, which actually Allah is in control of. Right? So fear of loss of rizq. Fear of loss of life. Fear of loss of barakah. Right? This now is a type of fear which is, which is shirk with Allah Because this type of fear belongs only to Allah because he alone is in control of everything, of all of the ways and means, of all of harm, of all of benefit. This now is the fear which is shirk. It takes a person outside the fold of Islam. And then you have the third type of fear, which is a fear which is haram, which is when you fear the creation, and that fear prevents you from fulfilling an obligation towards Allah. So out of the fear of people, you fall short in fulfilling an obligation or numerous obligations. This now is a fear which is haram and for which you shall be punished. It is sin and disobedience. But this fear is not a fear which is shirk. It is not shirk with Allah Azza wa So here we see that this is perfectly, this is, this is tabi'i for Musa alayhi salam to become scared and to, to, to run and not to turn back because it is, it's a very uh, uh, fearful situation to, to be in. So Allah Zawajal, he said to Musa alayhi salam, Ya Musa, aqbil wala takhaf innaka min, innaka min al-aminin. O Musa, do not fear, turn around and do not fear, for indeed you are from those who will be safe. You will be granted safe safety. And we see he was commanded, uh, So he said, grab hold of it again and do not fear, for we shall return it back to its first state, how it was at the beginning. So then he took hold of the stuff and it returned back, he took hold of it and it turned back to its original state. Now all of this is a preparation for something that is to come in the future. When Musa al-Islam is sent to Fir'aun, and he will find himself in a certain situation. Right, so this is now Allah showing him the signs, signs which he, which he shall use later on, when he comes to uh, admonish the Fir'aun and his, and his people. Then the next thing that he ordered him to do, was to take his hand, and to put his hand inside his garment like this and uh, when he took it out he saw that his hand had become uh, illuminated 
very, very brightly, not being the result of any type of illness or leprosy or something of that nature. And that's why we read in the in the surah, Usluk yadaka fi jaybika takhruj bayda'a min ghayri su'in wadmum ilayka janahaka min al-rahab. So the ayah commands that put your hand into your into your jayb, into your garment, and it will come out white, like, like illuminating. Min ghayri su'in. The scholars explain that this means without it being like disease or leprosy or anything of that nature. But it is something that, that will glow. So then he took it out and he was amazed at seeing his hand basically just illuminating the, 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 the area. And again, this was something that was that you know put some awe in him, and he knew that this was a sign from Allah Azawajal. So then Allah Azawajal he said to him, Fadanika, Fadanika Burhanan, Mirabbika ila Fir'aun. These are two signs from your Lord to Fir'aun and his people, ila Fir'aun wa mala'ihi. And innahum kanu qawman fasikeen. Indeed, they were a, a, a sinful people. So now we have the command to Tawheed, establishing of the prayer, and fearing the hereafter, fearing the resurrection and the judgment. This is the first thing that Musa Islam is commanded with and uh, admonished with. And then he is given two signs from his Lord. And these are two of the many signs that he was given later on. Later on, inshallah ta'ala, we will talk about the seven additional signs that Musa Islam was given in order to convince Fir'aun that indeed he is a genuine prophet and a genuine messenger from Allah and that he should release the Bani Israel. And so we see that the signs are actually mentioned وَأَدْخِلْ يَدَكَ فِي جَيْبِكَ تَخْرُجْ بَيْضَاءَ مِنْ غَيْرِ سُوءِ فِي تِسْعِ آيَاتٍ إِلَى فِرْعَوْنَ وَقَوْمِهِ إِنَّهُمْ كَانُوا إِنَّهُمْ كَانُوا قَوْمًا فَاسِقِينَ In Surah An-Naml, we see it is mentioned that after he was told to put his hand and to withdraw it, Allah Zul mentions that this is among nine signs that are sent to Fir'aun and his people. So what are these nine signs? Well, we've seen two of them already. The first of them is the staff of Musa salam. The second is the illuminated hand. And so both of these two will play their role at a particular point in the debates and arguments with Musa salam. And then there were seven additional signs, great signs, that then come at a stage later, later on, as Fir'aun's arrogance continues, as his denial continues, then the signs and the evidences become greater and greater in nature. And so we see that there are seven other signs which are mentioned. They occur in Surah Al-A'raf, in the seventh surah. And so in that ayah, Allah Azawajal says, وَلَقَدْ أَخَذْنَا آلَ فِرْعَوْنَ بِالسِّنِينَ وَالنَّقْتَسِمْ مِنَ الثَّمَرَاتِ لَعَلَّهُمْ يَتَذَكَّرُونَ That we indeed took or we afflicted the people of Fir'aun, the family of Fir'aun, bisinin, wa naqsim min al-thamarat. So basically, these are the two signs. These are now uh, the third and the fourth. That he was afflicted with years of hardship, of difficulty, and of decrease in the harvest, in the fruits. Right. So you have to remember that this story is taking place over many, many years. And... 
with the denial of Fir'aun, we see that certain things are brought to him, such as extreme hardships and decrease in, in the harvest. Perhaps that they might remember and take an admonition. And so Allah mentions the state of these people, فَإِذَا جَاءَتْهُمُ الْحَسَنَةِ قَالُوا لَنَا هَذِهِ Whenever any good would come to them, they would say, this, this is for us, this is on account of us. This is due to our you know, skill and whatever else. وَإِن تُصِبُهُمْ سَيِّئَةً But if some evil came to them, like for example, affliction, hardship, loss of you know, harvest, loss of fruits, decrease in harvest, they would now they would be, they would believe in omens. They would believe that this is this is Musa, Ali Salam, that he is an omen to us and he's bringing evil to us. They were believers in omens. Shows that they were a deficient people. And so uh, Allah says, "Allah inna Indeed, the omens that they believe in, they are really with Allah. Meaning that it is Allah who controls and decrees and brings harm and brings benefit. All of this is with Allah But it is just these people who believe in omens. And, But most of them do not know. Uh, so at one point they made it clear, no matter what signs you bring to us in order to bewitch us, right? So they now believed at a later point that they were being bewitched by way of these signs. No matter what signs you bring, we are not going to believe in you. We are not going to believe in you. فَأَرْسَلْنَا عَلَيْهِمُ الطُّوفَانِ This now is uh, the fifth sign from Allah Azawajal, the Tufan, which is like um, a flood. Jarad. These are locusts, a swarm of locusts that came to them. Qummal. This now is lice that they are all inflicted with in their hair. Safadir. And then a plague of frogs that come, like literally millions of frogs that come and encompass and, and surround them. Waddam, and likewise the blood, the river turning into blood. Right, so these are now nine signs altogether. Ayatin mufassalatin fastakbaru wa kanu qawman mujrimin. So these were clear, apparent signs in detail. But they were arrogant and they were a criminal people. They were a people who were criminals. So these ayat, what we should understand and what we should realize from the story of Musa salam, it is a tremendous story if we were to give it due reflection. Because the story is told in many different places in Surah Al-Qasas, in Surah Taha, in Surah Namal, in different places. When we piece it all together, we see from the beginning to end, there are, there are many different threads that we can look at in this story. And some of those threads are, look at how Musa al-Islam, he, he went and he began first of all with gentleness. He was commanded to be gentle, perhaps that, perhaps that Fir'aun might take admonition. And then we move after this to the stage of rational arguments, arguments of reason, 
to establish Allah's existence, to establish His Tawheed. And once we see rejection of that, we then move to some signs which cannot be denied that these are signs from Allah Azawajal. And then we see a rejection of these initial signs. Then we move to the next stage of even greater and larger signs, greater signs, which, you know, Fir'aun and his people know for sure that it is from Allah Azawajal. So then we see these great signs and then we see uh, Fir'aun denying all of these as well. And in the process, from, in, in all these various stages, from the beginning, gentleness and uh, you know, softness, and then reason, arguments of reason, and then signs from Allah Azawajal, then the great signs. In between all of that, we see in turn, what do we see in response? So from Allah Azawajal, we see guidance, trying to guide someone who is the greatest tyrant. And in response, what do we see from this tyrant? We start seeing all sorts of false and fallacious arguments and reasoning. And they are mentioned in the Quran, we shall, we shall mention, we shall go through them. So in response, we see false arguments, false arguments of reason, emotion, emotional arguments, arguments of belittlement and mockery and sarcasm. Right? In all of this, there are tremendous lessons for us because when we give da'wah, what we experience from the, from, from the disbelievers, you see exactly the same thing. You see mockery. You see uh, belittlement. Uh, you see fallacious arguments of which is, is not based on reason. It's to, it's to reject reason. Right? All of these things that we see, you will see that this is coming from Fir'aun throughout the whole, this, this, this whole period. So anyway, what do we gather from all of this so far in this first part? First of all, Musa Islam is made into a messenger by Allah He is given the message of Tawheed, commanded to worship Allah, reminded about Allah's Rububiyyah and Uluhiyyah, is ordered to establish the Salah from the greatest rites of Tawheed after the, 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 the Kalima itself, and he's reminded of the hereafter. Then he's given, he's given signs from Allah which he's ordered to take them to Fir'aun. And uh, in addition to that, he supported and aided by seven other great and mighty signs. So what we see here then is that Musa Ali Salam, he's going to be aided by Allah in two ways. The first way is by the speech of Allah, which is the, the kalimat of Allah, which are qadariyyah. They relate to the qadr of Allah Azza wa Jal. How is this? It is Allah Azza wa Jal commanding things to be and they be. Like the staff turning into a snake. Like his hand becoming illuminated. These are things which are out of the ordinary. They can only be by way of Allah's command. And likewise all of those other seven other signs of uh, the, the extreme hardship and the loss of of fruits and harvest and then the other five signs after that of the the lice and the frogs and the, the river of blood and the tufan right and the locusts and, and so on and so forth all of this is from Allah's qadr right so there are nine 
kalimat of Allah Azza wa Jal that relate to qadr by which he's going to aid Musa al-Islam. In addition to that, he gives him commandments which form part of, of, the, of the Torah, the Ten Commandments. These are the ten statements of Allah Azza wa Jal which are shari'iyyah. These are now the legislative commands of Allah Azza wa Jal. So look at how in the messengership, and this is the same with the, the messenger Muhammad and all the prophets and messengers, that Allah aids them by way of his kalimat, which are qadariya, that relate to qadar. And there are words of his which relate to the shara', which is the legislation, which is what he commands them, what he prohibits them, by way of, you know, uh, deeds and actions which are, you know, these commands and prohibitions are from his, from his wisdom. So all of this now, at this stage, we come to the point where Musa salam has become a messenger and he's ordered with a message to go to Fir'aun and that he has with him clear manifest signs from his Lord and on account of which he has no reason to fear. This now leads us to the second section in today's lesson and this is now the prophethood of his brother Harun alayhi salam and from this we take certain benefits as well so in response so so far the dialogue has been coming from Allah it's from the from the point of view of Allah azawajal informing Musa alayhi salam of certain things now we look how does Musa alayhi salam respond Right? So this is the speech between Allah and Musa salam. And Musa salam is from those, uh, is, is, is a messenger to whom Allah spoke directly. So now Musa salam, he says, what does he say? He's now been made into a messenger. He's been commanded with what he's been commanded. He's been given two clear manifest signs from his Lord. What now is the response of Musa salam? And think about this. He says, قَالَ رَبِّ إِنِّي قَتَلْتُ مِنْهُمْ نَفْسًا فَأَخَافُ أَنْ يَقْتُلُونَ So, the, first, so, so the, the thing that he says is, Oh my Lord, indeed I killed amongst them a people. I killed amongst them a people, referring to that the man he killed accidentally. And he says, I fear that they might kill me. And then he said, وَأَخِي هَارُونَ هُوَ أَفْسَحُ مِنِّي لِسَانًا فَأَرْسِلْهُ مَعِي مَعِيَ رَدْءًا رِدْءًا يُصَدِّقُنِي So he said, and my brother Harun, he is more eloquent than me in speech. So send him with me. Send him with me as like support and that he, that, you know, he might uh, believe in me and assert to the truthfulness of what I'm saying. Inni akhafu an yukadhibun. Verily, I fear that they will reject me. And so Allah Azawajal accepted this uh, request and he said to him uh, that those people, Fala yasiluna ilaykuma bi ayatina, that they will, not, they will not be able to reach, re- reach you, and bi ayatina antuma wamanittaba'akum al ghalibun. And you and those who will follow you both, they will be ghalibun, that they will be uppermost. So here what we understand is that Fir'aun is going to be invited 
And one of the first arguments that Fir'aun is going to use, there's going to be two things that Fir'aun is going to use as a counter-argument against Musa salam. The first of them is that Musa salam he committed a crime. He killed a man. And Musa salam he already perceived and understood that this is what's going to happen, that when I go and I call Fir'aun and I admonish him, what's the first thing he's going to say? He's going to say that you committed a crime, you killed a man, and we need to establish justice. This will now become an argument for Fir'aun. So he then, Musa al-Islam, he requested that Harun, his brother, who is more eloquent than him in speech, that he be made a wazir, uh, someone to speak on his behalf, someone to aid him, someone to aid his message, and who was able to convey more powerfully, more eloquently, the message to Fir'aun. So accepting this, Allah Azawajal said, Bi'ayatina. With our signs, antuma al-ghalibun, that you too and whoever follows you, you will be uppermost, you will be victorious. So then, Allah Zawajal, we see in another part in Surah Taha. Again, the story is told with a, you know, with more details. He commands uh, Musa al-Islam, idhab ila Fir'aun, innahu taga. Go forth to Fir'aun, for indeed he has transgressed. Qala rabbish rahli sadri, wa yassirli amri, wahlul uqdatan min lisani, yafqahu qawli. This now brings us to another dua, another supplication in the series of duas that we see being made by Musa alayhi salam in the course of his, of his story. So we've seen, for example, the dua for forgiveness when he fell into that uh, action of killing that man. And so he sought forgiveness. And likewise, when he sought forgiveness, uh, so after this he sought uh, rescue from Fir'aun. Save me from a, peop, from a wrongdoing people. And likewise the dua 
for receiving some good. He wanted some good to come to him from Allah And now we see the dua for uh, expanding his chest, making his affair easy, removing the impediment from his tongue so that the people might be able to understand him. And so some of the Mufassirun explain how he got the impediment in his tongue. It is mentioned in the you know, in what, the, what they narrate that Fir'aun wanted to uh, see and test the aql of this child who is Musa alayhi salam and what he would do would put something in front of him uh, which would be like a hot, like an ember, like a, like a coal or a burning ember and to see if he would take that or the a date stone. So on one occasion he took it and he put it in his mouth and that caused a part of his tongue to burn. And that brought him an impediment in speech. And as Al-Hasan al-Basri said, uh, speaking about this, that uh, the messengers are given faculties and means to the level that they are able to fulfill the obligation due upon them. So Musa his, his impediment was only to a certain degree, it did not prevent him from conveying the actual message, even though he had an impediment. And so that's why we see him making the dua and making the request for his brother Harun to aid him and support him by way of speech. And then we will also see, keep this in mind, keep all these, all these things are connected because one of the false arguments that Fir'aun is going to use is to say, look at this man, he can't even speak. He can't even converse. Right? This now is not a, a rational argument for rejecting the truth. Right? So all these things that are being mentioned, there, there are wisdoms behind all of these things. Behind the mention of all of these things. And so that's why Fir'aun said, وَلَا يَكَادُ يُبِينَ As we come later in the story. That when he's being admonished and being invited to the Tawheed of Allah to abandon his injustice, to let the Bani Israel go, one of the arguments he brings, he says, look, and this man anyway, he can hardly even express himself. Now, this now is a false argument. An expression, the ability to, ability to do so or not to do so, that in itself doesn't determine truth. It's a false argument. In any case, uh, we see that Harun now is made a prophet and he's made a minister, a wazir for his brother. As Musa al he said, Waj'alli waziran min ahli Haruna akhi. Make for me from my family a wazir, a minister, one who will speak. Harun, who is my brother. And so at the end of this passage, Musa, O Musa, you have been granted your request. So this now is Harun now being made into a prophet alongside his brother who is a messenger and a prophet. And so we see in the Quran, وَوَهَبْنَا لَهُ مِن رَحْمَتِنَا and we granted to him from mercy from ourselves, Harun, his brother, as a prophet. So now the scene is set that Musa al-Islam has been made and declared into a messenger. 
And when he's declared into it, when he's made into a messenger and he's going to be sent to Fir'aun, he perceives a number of things. First of all, he realizes that he has an impediment in speech and he asks for support from his brother. Secondly, he is concerned about something that he killed a man when he was in Misr. And that this will be used against him and that they will seek justice against him. That's the second uh, issue. And the third issue is that Harun now is made as a prophet and as a minister. And both of them, the two of them, are now sent to Fir'aun in order to call him to the Tawheed of Allah And in order to uh, abandon his oppression of Bani Israel. So we'll begin the first part of this story, inshallah ta'ala, because the time for prayer has come. We'll uh, keep this short and we'll continue the rest of it in the next lesson. So moving now into the next part of the story, the third part, the third section for today's lesson. We see that the story is continued in Surah Ash-Shu'ara, the 26th surah in the Qur'an, from verse 10 onwards. And... In fact, there are a number of surahs, three main surahs. Surah Taha, the 20th surah. From the beginning, you see the story of Musa Islam told. Surah Al-Qasas, the 28th surah. From the beginning, you see it told for the next 50, 60 verses. And likewise, at the beginning of Surah Ash-Shu'ara, uh, again, you see the story being told therein as well. So, we see at the beginning of Surah Ash-Shu'ara, the story is told, وَإِذْ نَادَى رَبُّكَ مُوسَىٰ أَنِئْتِ الْقَوْمَ الظَّالِمِينَ When your Lord called Musa to go to a wrongdoing people, قَوْمَ فِرْعَوْنَ أَلَا يَتَّقُونَ To the people of Fir'aun, will they not be fearful? قَالَ رَبِّ إِنِّي أَخَافُ أَن يُكَذِّبُونَ Oh my Lord, I fear that they will reject me. وَيَضِيقُ صَدْرِي And that my chest will become constricted. وَلَا يَنْطَلِقُ لِسَانِي and my tongue will not be able to express properly. So send to Harun or send for Harun. And they have a sin upon me, meaning I committed a crime and they have that upon me and I fear that they might kill me. So Allah responds, No. فَذْهَبَ بِآيَاتِنَا Rather go with our signs. إِنَّا مَعَكُمْ مُسْتَمِئُونَ We are with you and we listen. فَأْتِيَا فِرْعَوْنَ فَقُولَا إِنَّا رَسُولُ رَبِّ الْعَالَمِينَ إِنَّا رَسُولُ رَبِّ الْعَالَمِينَ So go to Fir'aun and say to him, Indeed, I am the messenger of the Lord of the worlds. And أَرْسِلْ مَعَنَا بَنِي إِسْرَائِيلِ That you send with us Bani Israel. And then from here the story weaves right into the response of Fir'aun. So here Allah is commanding Musa what to say. And then it weaves right into the response of Fir'aun. So it's understood that Musa went Islam, and he said these things to Fir'aun. He said Send that I'm a messenger from Allah. Send now Bani Israel. What is the response of Fir'aun? He says, Qala alam nurabbika, alam nurabbika fina. وَلِيدًا وَلَبِثْتَ فِينَا مِنْ عُمُرِكَ سِنِينَ Did we not nurture you? 
Did we not nurture you and raise you from the time that you were born? And you remained amongst us for many years of your life? And then you did that deed of yours which you did, meaning killing that man. And you are from those ungrateful people. Now stop and reflect here. The very first thing from Fir'aun's response is what? There are two things that Fir'aun is using. The first is, he's recounting a favor that he gave to Musa What is the favor? That I raised you in my home. That I fed you in my home, clothed you in my home, gave you shelter, spent wealth upon you. And you spent many, many years of your life in my household. Right? So this now is an argument. Think about this. It's an argument when someone comes to you to establish and to, uh, to, to advise you against falsehood and to advise you against injustice. Then your argument is now to somehow bring some sort of favor. Right? So imagine the situation that you're going to someone who's done some wrong, he's been unjust, and he's somewhat astray, and you admonish him, you remind him with the truth and whatever else. He says, look, Akhi, look, didn't, didn't I uh, borrow you a thousand pounds many years back when you were in hardship and in need? Didn't I do that? Now what, what has this got to do with the injustice? What is the favor that you might have given at some point in the past? You, you aided this person, you gave... What has that got to do with this? It's a false argument. There's, there's, no, there's no relationship. What this is, a false argument that Fir'aun brought at the very beginning. At the very beginning. Right? And then on the other hand, the crime or the, or the, or the thing that Musa Islam fell into of killing a man. This was a crime uh, in, the, in the state of Fir'aun, in the, in, in the government of Fir'aun. To them, this is a crime now. So now he's using the opposite, which, which is like a crime that you committed for which we need to bring you to justice. And this now is a means to deny the truth that he's being invited to. Right? These are two methods of denying the truth, of diverting away from the truth. Either... You, bring, you draw upon a favor that you've given to that person, or you try to bring some error or mistake that they fell into previously in order to deny the truth. And so both of these, Musa al-Islam, he gives a response to them. So the response he gives, he says, first of all, in relation to the killing, قَالَ فَعَلْتُهَا إِذًا وَأَنَا مِنَ الضَّالِّينَ I did that deed when I was, I was astray. I was astray then. I was not upon guidance. And I did that as a mistake. How can you hold this against me? How can you hold this deed against me? Especially in, you know, in, in, in this state which, which, what, in which I'm calling you to justice and truth and tawheed, which is far greater than the crime that you are trying to use against me now. And then he says, فَفَرَرْتُ مِنْكُمْ لَمَّا خِفْتُكُمْ فَوَهَبَ لِي رَبِّي حُكْمًا So I fled from you, because I feed from you, what you would do to me. And then Allah bestowed upon me, my Lord bestowed upon me, wisdom, judgment, and he made me from the messengers. 
And then in response to the other argument, he says, وَتِلْكَ نِعْمَةٌ تَمُنُّهَا عَلِيَّ أَنْ عَبَّدْتَ بَنِي إِسْرَائِيلٌ This means that as for this favor that you bestowed upon me, this favor that you say that you know I was raised in your home and whatever else, does that favor justify you enslaving the whole of the Bani Israel? Meaning, are you trying to argue that, oh, I give you this favor, this favor now somehow justifies me slaughtering the men from Bani Israel, killing their male born, enslaving them, does that favor warrant all of that oppression and tyranny and injustice? How can you argue this? This is falsehood. Right? So this was the response of, uh, of Musa a.s. To, uh, to, 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 to these false arguments. And so this is at the very beginning of when Musa a.s. Uh, was sent to Fir'aun. So at this point, remember, we have not even got into the arguments of reason that we are now going to come into inshallah ta'ala in Surah Taha and likewise in Surah Ash-Shu'ara. There are two dialogues that take place between Musa Islam and Fir'aun. And in these dialogues there, is, there are arguments of reason for proving Allah's existence and his rububiyyah and his uluhiyyah. And then in response, when we see Musa Islam bringing arguments of reason from the creation of Allah Azawajal, empirical evidence, we see in turn Fir'aun responding with falsehood, with mockery, with belittlement, with false arguments, with non-arguments, right? Which we'll look at inshallah ta'ala in, in, in the next lesson. But at this point, at the very beginning, what do we see the first thing, the first arguments that are used is, well, didn't I give you a favor? Why are you coming to with this? I, I don't you remember the favor I bestowed upon you? This is a false argument. Or will you committed a crime? And for which you need to be brought to justice. Well, how, you know, how how can that crime be used if a person was mistaken and admitted he was mistaken? And how can you use that crime to justify the falsehood that you yourself are upon? That you yourself are upon. This is like when a criminal is committing a crime and he justifies it by saying, "Well, didn't you commit a crime? Didn't you commit a crime?" So this is nonsense. These these are false arguments from the very beginning. So. Uh, we'll stop at this point, inshallah ta'ala, and we're going to come now into the main crux of the argument and the debate between Musa al-Islam and Fir'aun. And the key, from the key things to note is how the messengers argue for the truth with empirical evidence, evidence that everyone can see with their eyes and perceive, and how the people of falsehood, of kufr, of arrogance, of shirk, of denial, how they bring what are essentially uh, non-arguments and futile arguments. So we'll cover that inshallah ta'ala in some detail in the next lesson. With that we'll conclu conclude today's lesson at, the, uh, at this point. Walhamdulillahi rabbil alameen wa sallallahu ala nabina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'een.